0: In the name of the living God, creating, redeeming, and sustaining. Amen. Well, this morning our collect began by saying, O Lord, you have taught us that without love, whatever we do is worth nothing. And then we heard love defined, and it's not very easy to hear. Don't take revenge or hold a grudge against anyone. Don't resist evildoers. Love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. If anyone forces you to walk a mile, go the second mile. And the one that I think boggles a lot of people's minds, Jesus telling us that when someone hits our right cheek, we're to turn the other cheek. What is this all about? What is this loving our enemies all about? Why would we have to do that? And how do we deal with people who hurt us, those who oppress others? Believe it or not, every single one of these scriptures today has to do with love, and it may not be the way that any of you have ever heard it or thought of it. So let's think about who must you and I love? Jesus said, love our neighbors as ourselves, right? And to love our enemy. So who's our enemy? Who must you and I love? And what does it mean to love? Most people ignore the teachings on nonviolence that Jesus taught today because if we follow these commands the way we've been taught them, We'd just be doormats, right? Turning the other cheek, just letting ourselves get hit. We could get hurt. We could even die. So let's take a closer look at what this gospel lesson actually means. I asked Matt Martin to um, help me out in demonstrating this. If you'd come forward, Matt. So let's take a look at the social context that Jesus was actually in here. Come on up. All right, Matt, I'm going to ask you to hit me. <laughs> so Matt just gave me his best right hook and punched me in the cheek. Now, wait a second. What does the gospel say? Look a little more closely. Now, wait a second. It says turn the other cheek, but what does it say before that? If anyone hits you on the right cheek, where is he hitting me? He's hitting me on my left cheek. That's not what Jesus is talking about here. All right, so hit me on the right cheek. All right, he hit me with his left hand. What's wrong with that? Well, not as strong, I heard that. I'm a lefty. He's a lefty. (laughs) So maybe it would be as strong. But okay, in Jesus' time, what did people use their left hands for? That was the cleaning hand. Jane put it very mildly. That's the hand you use to wipe your bottom. (laughs) You don't use your left hand in public. And, you know, people who are left-handed were out of luck back then. (laughs) So, all right, how are you going to hit my right cheek, Matt? He backhands me. Okay, so this is the way your right cheek gets hit. Whenever you get backhanded, it's not about punching someone out anymore. It's about putting them in their place. It's about saying, get where you belong. Matt's basically saying, Allison, you're, this, you're a smaller woman than I am. Get in your place. Get where you belong. So, all right, now I'm going I'm to turn the other cheek. And if, and if Matt uses his right hand and gives me that right hook, he's going to knock me out. So this is... The context Jesus wanted us to understand when he said turn the other cheek. It's not about saying go ahead and pummel me. It's about saying you and I are equals. You may be a man and I may may be a woman. You may be a master and I may be a slave. You may be a Roman and I may be a Jew, but you and I are brothers and sisters in Christ. So go ahead and hit me because I'm a child of God and I demand that you see me that way. That is the gospel message this morning. It's not about me taking it and being a doormat and being abused and being oppressed. It's about me standing eye to eye with the person who oppresses me. So thank you, Matt. Go ahead and sit down. <laughs> so if you look at this example and there are other examples used in the Bible this is if you want to read more there's a theologian named Walter Wink. he wrote a book called "The Powers that Be and he takes those if you walk a mile go a second the second mile if someone sues you for your cloak or for your coat, give them your cloak also and he puts that all into a context of nonviolent action that puts us on equal footing with those who oppress us so if you're looking at Love and how we respond to our enemies. In the context of the Bible, we're not talking about standing down, giving up, or walking away. And love's the opposite of violence. Love has to do with non-violent action and responsibility. To love is to do what you can do to provide for the life of others, whether you like them or not, Whether you're in a good mood or not, your acts of love might be animated by a sense of gratitude or delight in another person. Or it may be done despite anger, exhaustion, depression, fear, or aversion. Or it could just be simply done as a prayer in response to God who links us all, who is our common creator Paul said very clearly in this morning's epistle lesson, you are the temple of God and God's spirit dwells in you. Every single one of you here in this room, your very existence, everyone in the world is a dwelling place for God. So what is your dignity and the dignity of every single human being sitting here in this room worth? Our baptismal covenant tells us that we are to seek justice and peace for every human being. And that's what this morning's gospel is all about. Now Leviticus teaches us that what we do or don't do impacts the whole group. Loving your neighbor as yourself isn't just about doing things because it's going to benefit you, but it's about doing things because it benefits everyone. It contradicts our live-and-let-live Western philosophy. What you do to your neighbor, what you do to your enemy, for good or for bad, violently or nonviolently, makes a difference. Paul teaches us that he laid down a foundation of faith, like a skilled master builder, and all those that came before us acted out of love that we might share in continuing to build on that foundation of love. So who is your neighbor? Who is your enemy? Who must you love? And how are you going to love? It may seem far-fetched that someone like me is going to stand there and take it from someone who can beat me up like Matt Martin. (laughs) But I've seen kids who've been bullied or seen others been bullied stand up to the person who hurts them. I've known women who have stood up in the face of violent, oppressive men. Dietrich Bonhoeffer and others were part of the resistance movement against Nazi Germany. Rosa Parks sat in the front seat of the bus and perhaps the most dramatic example I could conjure. In South Africa, during the apartheid era, children and kids began to take this gospel kind of risk. They stood out in front of the military vehicles and cried, freedom, freedom, and dared those military vehicles to run them over. It was like they had suffered enough. Their parents were courageous enough to take this stand, and so the children took the initiative in the struggle against apartheid. And it unfortunately cost them their lives. Jesus gives us permission to love in ways that are active and bold and risky, to love in ways that expose the folly of people who are caught up in hatefulness, to love in a way that puts us on equal footing with every single other human being. Love your enemy, but don't let your enemy take advantage of you. Don't let your enemy pummel you to the ground. As best you can, lovingly show your enemy the meaning of true love, which brings them to a place where they can see eye to eye with you. Sometimes that requires a sacrifice or a bold move on your part if you're the one who is the more vulnerable or if you're the one who's strong standing up for the vulnerable. This is the kind of love that not only led to Jesus' crucifixion but also led to resurrection and new life. Amen.